On today's episode of Juke Sports with Cots and Jake, the 2020 NFL Draft has come and gone. The first virtual draft in our existence, and we dive into it with an in-depth analysis. A new list segment, which Jake has messed up yet again. Closing statements, but before that, the last dance. And all I have to say is... Two words. Dennis Rodman. All right. Giddy up. Welcome to today's episode of Juke Sports with Cots and Jake. Week of 427, week six, I believe, of quarantine. Hope everyone's staying well. A lot on deck for today's episode, so excited about that. But before we dive in, Jake, I think we just need to get it out there, and I think we need to to say it, and it's sad news, and I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the hurt right now. It's still really fresh to me, Um, but I think we just need to get it out there and talk about it. Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari are separating after 10 years of marriage, and I don't believe love exists anymore. And I'm pretty torn up about it. Is that real? That happened? It's real, and it's happened. And I'm I'm glad you don't know, because I would expect nothing less of you not to know about this right now. I'm glad I was sitting down for that. It's after 10 years. Yes, it's been reported. I don't know. I I, I saw the Instagram post. I'm a little... I'm a little, is this a PR stunt? Because, like, the post seemed a little too lovey-dovey to be real. And, like, it might all be a stunt. But, but I'm, I'm sad. I'm a, little, I'm a little torn up right now. If those two can't make it work, I mean, does, is there any hope for, like, the people like you and I of the world? Like, how are we going to find love? There's no love. There's nothing. If Jay Cutler's getting divorced, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's also, like, I see a lot of myself in Jay Cutler. We have a lot of similarities besides he he's definitely could, a better NFL quarterback than I would have ever been. You know, I think if I had the opportunity, it could have went a lot of different ways. But um, but besides that, I wonder if he's like he's been retired now and he just hasn't really been doing anything. If Kristen just kind of had enough of him, you know, I don't know. Quarantine, man. It does. It's, it, it's the cabin fever, bro. It's, it's the, this quarantine has destroyed another relationship, especially one that all those guys out there related to and looked at as Jay Cutler dated or married. What's her name again? I can't even remember. What's her name? Kristen. Come on. Come on. I don't know. Kristen Cavallari. She was on Laguna Laguna Beach. Did you not watch Laguna Beach as a kid? I'm sure you did it. I I did not. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you did. Was that the one with the basketball players, the, the brothers? What? Laguna Beach. That there was like two there was like the bad boy basketball player. No, dude, man. wait, wait, wait. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Jacob, 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 Jacob. You're thinking about an actual like Laguna Beach was like a reality TV thing on like MTV. You're thinking of One Tree Hill. Which was like wait, a fake. Laguna Beach was real? That was Chris, like Kristen Cavallari was... was the star of it. She was the reality star of it with Lauren Conrad. Oh my god, who do I work with? <laughs> Wait, but so yeah. Laguna Beach, hang on. So Laguna Beach was a real, like, they followed around 
Like, high school kids, yeah. What? How does that? How did that get approved? What do you mean? How it got approved? It was California. There's like no rules in California. Oh wait, wait, wait. That's the one. Okay, no, no, no. I, I think I know. That's the one that did. Um. Oh man, that That's one a... guy was in it. The uh, the one father. Well, there's a father <laughs> that was in it from. Um, you know the guy from Mr. Deeds, the guy who's like trying to run the company. With the big eyebrows, he's the fu- he was in Laguna Beach. Are you sure? I don't know. You're you're the, <laughs> you're apparently a fan of the show. I'm not. Well, it came out in like 2000 and like four or something. Like I mean, oh, come is on. that like? Wait, it's California. Here we come. Wasn't that like the California? That's like the lead. That was like the intro song, right? <laughs> I. <laughs> all right this I, has gone completely off the rails okay. all right i think i'm just gonna end this with if anyone needs to talk about jay cutler and kristen cavallari separating please reach out because i'm feeling some type of way about this and we'll we'll figure out more about laguna beach and whatever jake's talking about but, but man maybe we should just only stick to sports because this got a little far off topic <laughs> but jay cutler the man's man's quarterback. Uh, but speaking of quarterbacks, let's quickly switch gears and talk about the first ever virtual draft, the 2020 NFL draft. I don't know, man. I enjoyed it, and I'm sure you did too. I mean, I, I, I did. I mean, I liked, um, I liked the fact that we got to see all of the coaches' war rooms because they were all pretty different and they all hit that niche of what that quarterback or sorry, what that head coach kind of represents Mike Zimmer and the mounted animals <laughs> on his wall. Okay. And then, Zimmer you go over, and then you go over to Cliff Kingsbury who looks like his living room is a mix between Scarface and Al Pacino's character in any given Sunday. It pretty much Cliff Kingsbury's living room pretty much says to me that he was supplying the traveling cocaine circus of the Bulls <laughs> back in the day. That's what that living room says to me. Yeah. It was it looked like Jordan Belford lived there and it just screamed there are mountains of cocaine being done in that living room. It was absurd. Massive I, flex with the big windows. Massive flex with the big windows. Also, I love Mike McCarthy. He is <laughs> a football guy's guy. I mean, come on. With the little Gatorade cups there. He's yeah, like, he doesn't, so know, doesn't say- know how to work the, the Zoom or whatever. His like, face is so up. Dude, it's like when you first show your parents how to FaceTime and it's like way up in their face. It was amazing. Okay. Hey, the, the, ga- the pencil cup or the, the Gatorade cup serving as the pencil holder is a total coach move. It's ridiculous. That's the guy. Like if you saw that as a fan, like, yeah, that's the guy you want coaching your team. Oh yeah. That's a coach right there. That's yeah. a coach for life. He can't do again. I don't know his background, but just by looking at him and like what, how his desk is, I don't think he could do anything else, but coach football. Like if football didn't exist, I don't know what Mike McCarthy would be doing. Selling insurance, maybe, or something. I don't know. Yeah, It's like Andy. I love Andy. And I love watching Andy in his Tommy Tommy Bahama shirts um, with 
uh, three different screens just watching film with his pasty white thighs hanging out in his shorts. I love it. Andy Reid's my, f- my favorite. He might be my favorite so person ever. So glad he got ever. that Super Bowl. I'm so glad he got Same. that Super Bowl. He's amazing. And if I tell you what, if, if I make it through quarantine and I go back out into the real world and my mustache is still thriving out there, I might keep it. But then this summer, I might try to try to adopt the Tommy Bahama shirts and, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Bring it back. A- Andy Reid needs more credit for his style. He's oh, yeah. A- that's awesome. I love he that. He is guy. the ultimate player's coach. And you know those those guys in that locker room gravitate towards him for a reason. That's for sure. But one thing we need to talk about, which is someone who I, I mean I'm not a fan of, but it was probably the ultimate flex move and the most powerful move that you can do was Jerry Jones not even holding the phone <laughs> to talk. Oh my god. On a yacht. <laughs> Excuse me, servant. Servants, come over here and hold my phone for me. Like who? Like who was that young lady? Like just holding the phone there? Like she was? She was a few years younger than like a, a couple years younger than Jerry. I wonder if Jerry's just got you know like a couple, couple ladies on deck. But like what? What was that? Like you can't pick up the phone, dude. Like come on, sweetie, sweetie, come here. You're gonna <laughs> hold the phone for me because this is what your job. My is. arms are tired. I use them <laughs> to get onto this million dollar yacht and you will hold the phone for me and then after uh we're gonna go up with robert and we're gonna go to this nice massage place that (laughs) and they're all gonna have a good time let's wait before before we actually dive in because now we get a little bit off track but before we dive into actual draft results let's talk about roger goodell (laughs) why is that man so bad at just public speaking for someone who has to do it like all the time and why is he the most awkward human being ever? <laughs> it's like, come on, everybody, boo me, boo me. <laughs> my favorite. Boo my, me. When I knew it was going downhill, it's well, one, he just talks so much with his hands. Like, he's just all like, <laughs> and he had those flashcards that it was like he was on the prices right or something about to like throw them out. It's like, I couldn't understand why he was doing that. I knew it was going to go just downhill when he pretty much tip the Dolphins uh, pick for their second first round pick when he's talking to the fans and he goes good news for Tua yeah I was like oh cool so we got a line which one did we get (laughs) but Uh, so he he tried to be very personable um, right before he had his dog and he had that little uh, PSA about um, the nurses and the, the first responders and everyone on the front lines and then he attributed to the boo the commish a uh, mm-hmm. hashtag by bud i was a bud light yeah yeah so he does that and again he's trying to be personable he knows that everyone dislikes him so now he's leaning into the hate to try and like get people to like him and i'm sorry he's just very cringe to me <laughs> well um, two things <laughs> i mean very very cringe. like the fourth round comes around and he's like sitting on he just doesn't even care anymore. He's sitting on his uh, chair, his easy chair. Um, I'm very comfortable in my easy chair right now. And here's the next pick by the Carolina Panthers. Um, well, he was the one. I think it was for the Ravens. I could be wrong, but when he was leaning back and he was, he almost said like 19 something, 20 NFL draft, and he had to like stop himself. And I was like, <laughs> "What, man?" But it kind of made me, it kind of made me like him a little bit more because someone who could be that cringeworthy and that awkward 
and then making that kind of money, it's like, all right, well, it gives me a little bit of hope, you know? <laughs> it's like, Boomy, come on. I can't hear it, Arrowhead. Come on, Chiefs Kingdom. Boomy. Unreal. And then my, um, my final one, favorite part, uh, my final I, favorite part about him was when he was talking to Trey Wingo towards the end of the draft, and he was talking about the M&Ms, and he's like, well, I moved on to cupcakes, and he, like, pulled up this <laughs> random cupcake. Like, why? Like first off, why is there just a random cupcake sitting there? Like, not even on a plate, not even in, like, a packaging or anything. Just one random cupcake sitting there. Oh, man. I was he... pretty – like, I don't even know what I was. I was just like oh, – now, now, I knew he was going to mispronounce – some of the names, okay, especially in like the third or fourth. Like but how do you get two is wrong? What he got two is wrong. He got two is wrong, <laughs> which you know he's going in the first round. You had how long? You had two years to practice this. <laughs> I mean, I think he pronounced it uh, or pr- pronounced it. Listen to me. Uh, I think he pronounced um, Igogany correctly, which I was. And again, I, I was. I don't know. I was just happy at that moment, so I maybe I misheard. But, but the best to me, and again, maybe it's because I like Penn State. But uh, uh, gross, ma- gross matos. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think he said Yitor. Yitor. Gross matos. Gross matos. <laughs> it's like gross mottos. Like he was projected possibly in the first round. Like, come on, you didn't practice. I love he told Tua. I practiced that too. I'm like, are you sure you did, Roger? It was it was unreal. I mean, I, yeah. But I gotta say, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I normally enjoy the draft, and I'm a huge draft guy. Uh, see, I don't know. I so what I was thinking about this because Sean Payton said something that got me thinking that a lot of things that people like from this draft could be adapted moving forward. So I thought about this for a little bit, and I was like, well, the first two rounds or first three, give or take, are kind of where you know, like, where players, they're projected. There's some that sneak in, some that slide. Mm -hmm. But maybe you take those three rounds, and that's what you make the, you know, the big stage and have them coming up to the commissioner, you know, on stage, have the whole event thing. But for, for for rounds four to seven, it could go back to like how it used to be on one day, or it still is on one day, but go back to how it used to be for like a whole day where it was one through three on one day, four through seven on another day. And four through seven could really dive into like what we saw today, like have, you know, ESPN and things like that in players' homes, not so much like a big event for, I mean, one through three, I mean, after like the, like when it was in Chicago and I went to it, like on day three, it was really just nobody. It was a bunch of hammered people. Like it is at every sporting event by <laughs> well, you get down to like three days. After, like no one really cared about the picks. Everyone was just screaming for no reason. Right. But I think like, I don't know. It could be interesting. I think they will adapt some things sure. from what went on this year moving forward, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Cause yeah. a lot of people did enjoy it. I mean, I'll say this from somebody talking to somebody who isn't a fan of sports um i know they really liked just seeing people's homes now granted some of the like some of the players they may have rented out uh, like like uh, a nice place um but you know seeing how like some of the coaches homes and the war rooms and 
you know, the families like that's 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 pretty awesome. And we do see that with picks, but usually not until, like you said, the second or third round, because the first most of the first and second picks, usually they're all there. Yeah, I, I really love the coaches aspect of it uh, this year, because that's something you never see. You always see the player side of it. But coaches, you, you forget, like, the time leading up to the draft, mm-hmm. they're working, like, 80-hour weeks. Oh, they're, not, yeah. they're not seeing their family and loved ones. And it was my favorite coach, obviously, Brian Flores, who said that mm-hmm. he enjoyed it more than any other years because he was just – he was home for everything with his three kids and his wife. And he's like, my wife's getting sick of me because I'm home so much. But it's yeah. like, I'm never here for this. That's the cool – that was kind of that's good for those guys because like people yeah. people think that it's like oh you get paid millions of dollars to do this and like you got no problems in the world, but imagine like being away for eighty hours a week and just coming home and then going to bed and getting up and going to do it again like you mm-hmm. lose that family aspect. So that was that was great for this. I year. enjoyed I enjoyed seeing the coaches' families. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing and I'll talk about this family later on, but even our good old boy Adam Gase. Yeah. Um, seeing his family, uh, whatever circus was going on at the Vrabel household, um, seeing Brian Flores and Matt Rule with his kids, with their kids, Gruden, Gruden with his with, family, which is five foot five steroid induced son. What um, was that? Was that his kid? I don't even okay. know. But um, <laughs> I mean, my God, Gruden, the Gruden family also had a very unfortunate timing. Um, I forget the pick, but it was in the first round. And they talked about one of the players, um, his best friend dying in a car accident. And the pick, the guy who was drafted, was supposed to be in the car too, but he decided not to go or something. And as soon as they were telling that story, they panned to the Gruden family, who was all cheering and jumping for joy that they got this pick. And my first thought was, oh, this is terrible timing. This is bad. Because, you know, they're on a delay, so they don't know. Yeah. And oh yeah, so I very unfortunate mistiming or uh, yeah mistiming for the Gruden family there. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I did enjoy kind of watching and seeing all the coaches interact with their families and um, just seeing their so most of them seeing their homes. Like it's it's a nice. It gives you that warm fuzzy feeling inside. Yeah, it gives you a little bit. It makes you realize that these people are just normal people too. I mean, they're not, they're, they're human beings, but they just have, most of them have crazy work ethics that, um, you know, push them towards, towards the top and they have great ambition, but yeah, it gives them that. They're kind of like us vibe though, which is awesome. It's always great. But with all that, let's actually dive in to the nuts and bolts of the draft and talk about some picks. But first I just want to let everyone know, I'm sure you all were wondering. I did in our Juke Sports 2020 mock draft. I, of course, smoked Jake winning that. Um, Jake's refusing to pay the bet, which is surprising. There was, probably, no, there was probably, no payment. We said we were doing it for fun. I never said fun. I mean, you know, when you, when you start a bet with me, there's a minimum $25 payment. Everyone knows that. I don't know how you don't we know. We never that. said about, we never said. I, about. I don't have to say because everything I do is no. a bet. So Jake's refusing to pay his payment, but whatever. Um, but let's talk about first round real quick and then dive into some winners and losers. Um, who did you think – any surprises? I mean, obviously, 
don't go don't give me the Packers in love because I want to talk we'll dive okay. into that a little bit more. But any other big surprises for I you mean, in listen, round one? All of these all the guys taken in round one to me were first round, second round guys. Um if you would have to nitpick a draft spot, maybe Seattle would taking Jordan Brooks over Patrick Queen. Uh possibly taking That's such a that's such a P. Carroll uh picked up. Yeah. Oh no, it is. And and granted, if if you like this guy or if you're drafting and you like this guy and you think he's gonna fit in your system, you take, take him, him more than the guy you think might be better. It's it's the old Herb Brooks from Miracle. I'm not looking for the best players, I'm looking for the right ones. Yep. So all of these guys were good. No one really jumped off the board as like a terrible pick to me. Um, I thought, like I said, Jordan Brooks over Patrick Queen is nitpicking. I think Isaiah Wilson sneaking in there, um, the Georgia offensive lineman. I think he was kind of a, I think he was maybe a little bit of a reach, but that's, it's splitting hairs though. It really is. I think the first round, everyone did fairly well. I was a little surprised with Henry Ruggs going first for wide receivers, but um, it's the Raiders and the ghost of Al Davis possibly possessed their general manager to make that pick. Yeah, it really was. like It, it was pretty much chalk uh, one through 32. I mean, some players went ahead of others at their respective positions. I mean, you could talk wide receiver all day. Same thing with like offensive line. Like I, I didn't think Andrew Thomas wasn't the number one tackle on my board, but to the giants, that's, that was their guy. And they got him there. But at to four. a lot of people, to a lot of people, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of people and, thought Andrew Thomas was. So when they picked him, I see, I thought, and I put this in my mock draft, I thought they'd go offensive line. Mm-hmm. They did with Thomas. I thought it was going to be Wills but they went with Thomas everywhere else. I could see them taking that. I mean, like you said, I wouldn't necessarily say chalk completely because I think there were some guys or some teams picked um, guys. I was a little surprised by, but they were all very good picks. I, I don't have a problem with anything. I mean, it was, it was so deep at wide receiver. You had your, your first four tackles it was re- it's really deep at running back. I mean, you get to the Chiefs, people were surprised that Edwards Hilaire went before DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, et cetera, uh, mostly just Swift. But and then linebacker, too. I mean, it wasn't deep at linebacker. After those first three linebackers that went in the draft, um, I don't know when the last one was taken. Next one was taken, excuse me. But it was – it was in my, in my thought, like, there was no one that came – out of nowhere, that I guess I would probably say the only person that came out of nowhere was 19. I think this might have been the pick you were alluding to, Damon Arnett, the mm-hmm. cornerback from yes. Ohio State for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit interesting. Um, there are some guys that I had ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he but was then, still a top t- He was still a top – he was 100% a top 10 on people's draft boards for cornerbacks. Yeah, top 10 for corners. Um, I, would, I, mean. I would, I don't know, just kind of eyeballing it, maybe seven. Maybe he was like the seventh or sixth guy. You know, so again, get him going that early. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shock, but that's still a, that's still a really good corner. So he was a number three corner that went off the board, the third corner. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, that's a, that's the Raiders being the Raiders, but and that's a John Gruden thing. He's he's going to take his people. Um, yeah. Jordan loves the Packers. Everyone's talking about it. I have my thoughts. What What do you think first? Oh man, um, I. I was going to talk about this more when we talked about winners and losers, but um, I understand what they're doing. And I know they're afraid if they went in the second round that he wouldn't be there anymore. But you have to give Aaron Rodgers some guys. You have to. I'm telling you, there's going to be a falling out here. Not that Aaron Rodgers feels disrespected by the Jordan Love pick, but the fact that they're not giving him any other weapons. It's Aaron making everyone else look as good as they can. And he does a good job of that. He does. <laughs> but, I mean, you got to give these, this guy some – you have to give this guy weapons, and they're not doing it. And I understand Jordan Love could be – the next guy, just like Aaron Rodgers, got the keys from the kingdom from Brett Favre. But just like that, what eventually happened? Yeah. Brett left. It's it's interesting. And, and I think we're going to see something here where if Jordan Love starts doing good, they're going to deal Aaron. And they're going to deal Aaron for picks or for um, more guys. And then Jordan Love is going to get all the weapons. It's like they're in this never-ending cycle. I So to me, it's two things. One, the first thing that you could point this going in the direction is there was a lot of speculation last year that LaFleur and Rodgers weren't seeing eye-to-eye on things. So then when you go and draft a quarterback in round one after you coming in mm-hmm. on year one, of coaching job. I think it was year one last year. It might've been year two for the floor, but after not seeing eye to eye with your franchise quarterback, who's won Super Bowls there, who is someone that the whole state of Wisconsin idolizes and loves. That's the first thing that's concerning to me. That's the first thing I thought about. There was a lot of, a lot of talk that there was some heat there last year. So moving up, especially moving up to take the quarterback, that's my first concern there. The whole thing with not getting Rodgers weapons, I see that. But, like, the Packers have – they're another team that, like, doesn't like the Patriots. You never see – like, they build around Rodgers in a weird way. Like, they could find guys that fit a system, and then Rodgers makes them look ten times better. You know, like how the Patriots – like, no, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Julian Edelman was undrafted. He, like all these guys that they do, they, they find ways to make the system work while having a superstar quarterback. Now, I said it last week, I, I don't think Jordan Love is the guy when people were saying that Dolphins are going to take Herbert or we're going to take Love at 18. I was banging the wall. No, 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 no. Um, I don't, I don't think Love is. I'm not sold on love yet. I'm not saying he can't be something great. But if I'm Jordan Love in this situation, I got put into the best situation I could possibly put into. Because here's what happens from his standpoint. Either Rodgers is a pro's pro 
and says, whatever, comes out. And what I think he's going to do is just come out and be like, okay, you want to get some young kid in here? I'll show y'all and go out and have an MVP season, which is what I think is going to happen. And then he can mentor Love. But have that little chip in the back of his mind. Like, yeah, you guys went one or two years too early before taking the quarterback how I was for Favre. Or Rodgers just completely – there's reports out there that Rodgers sometimes is is a little bit of an asshole. I mean, all the shit that goes on with his family. He's a diva. No, he's a diva. Absolutely he's a diva. So maybe it goes – complete opposite and he's like i'm not gonna mentor this kid i mean who what it was flacco like flacco last year said that he didn't want to mentor drew Locke, and like look at how that worked out for flacco like come on man you're at the end of your career you want to you want one super bowl like relax but anyway (laughs) um so if he if he goes if rogers goes that route okay whatever i want to trade i don't want to mentor this kid yada 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 fine but then you're all but then for love you're still in like a no-lose situation because you got drafted, and Packers drafted him, expecting him to sit the minimum two years to learn a system, learn from one of the greatest. But then if he gets thrown into the fire and he fails, then whatever. You know, no, they, that's not how they had their two- or three-year plan mapping out. So Love's in a good spot, no matter which, from my opinion, no matter which way you put it, Love's in a good spot. Either Rodgers embraces this, and he learns from one of the greatest, and then he could become something – and then the Packers are still set up for success right when Rodgers retires. Or Rodgers becomes a diva, blows it off, whatever. And then even if Love takes off, then that's great for him. Or if he fails, it's whatever. No one expected anything from him within the first three years of this. So I think he's in a good, a good situation on all sides. But it's sides. the first-round pick. Wait, so wait, are you saying that – no, I'm saying Love is in a good situation. I'm not saying the Packers made the right decision here. Oh. I'm saying from a win-win situation for the player, Love can't go wrong. Yeah, but if Love doesn't pan out, he's going to be looked at as a guy who went in the first round and didn't do anything. If Love doesn't pan out, if that, it goes – if saying. it goes, if, if you're unsure but, about Love, why take him in the first round? No, 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 no. That's not – no. If Love doesn't pan out, like the, the Packers' end goal in mind right now is Rodgers still has at the minimum – Three years, okay. Minimum three years. So then, if then if Love comes in after Rogers is done three years from now, and then he has two or three years of his own, and then he's not panning out, then you got to move on. Then yeah, then you come back and say okay. If the, and then especially the Packers didn't win a Super Bowl in these next three years while Rogers' career is winding down. Then yeah, then you can look back on it and say it's horrible. But this is a three-year plan, and if this is the guy that you think is going to be the best for your system who can take over. And this is the guy that you love, that you want. There's no one else. You don't see anyone next year. You know you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. There's no one else that you see uh, coming through the pipeline that you could get. Then let me tell you something. I mean, it's not, it's not as crazy as people think because what happens when Rodgers retires? Then you're like every other shitty team that was in the top 10 picks that has a good franchise quarterback for years but doesn't plan for anything that happens after he's gone. Look at the situation the Patriots are in. What are they going to do? I mean, you're going to tell me Jared Statham is the man? He's going to take it over? I, I don't know. Maybe. But you, the, Patriots the, quarterback, the quarterbacks, the teams, the teams that plan for that, – that don't wait until shit hits the fan and plan for shit not hitting the fan are the teams in this league that are successful. And I think that's what the Packers are trying to do. Now, is Love going to be that guy? I don't know. 
but do I like hate the pick? I mean, it's like who like I mean, honestly, first round picks. I mean, they're they're not always locks either. What if they went up and they got like I don't even know who was still there, but what if they got a receiver and he was nothing? I mean, they have guy. I mean, I don't know. They have so many guys there that you could plug in the draft. And and I I think this is where you're going with this, and I I agree if this is what you're trying to say, but the draft is a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, we don't know. And no one really knows if guys are going to pan out or not. Very few guys where you look at them and say, that guy right there is a generational player. He cannot miss. It's hard to tell. Some guys get thrown in bad situations and don't pan out because of that. Other guys, you know, we're in college and we're the man, then go to the NFL where everyone's the same speed or faster and, and they mm. just don't pan out. So it's a crapshoot to me. It, it's very hard to tell who is going to pan out and who isn't, especially from people like us or other media or other reporters who aren't directly involved in the war room or directly involved in the organization. I'll say this. Um, last thought, final thought on the Patriots. You're 100% correct. Right. I mean, it is a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what they're thinking. No one knows. I mean, these, team, these teams don't just plan out six weeks from the draft or for this year's draft. They're looking at next year's draft. They got freaking scouts and player personnel that are doing this, that do this for a living, people. Like, they're diving into the, the, the college ranks from kids that are freshmen all the way through seniors. Like, they, they know what's out there. Um, but my final thought is their second round pick, AJ Dillon, huge fan. I think he's going to be. Uh, you're not an AJ Dillon fan? No, I, I, I am. But, <laughs> but that's the guy you take? We're going to talk about winners and losers, correct? Yeah. And okay. we're going we're gonna to go right in there now because okay. I think so from what you're saying, you want to talk about. You want to talk. Yeah, you want to talk about the Packers as losers? Losers. <laughs> very, there are some teams, most teams in this draft, I thought got better. I thought almost every team got better. It was tough to find losers because it's such a it was exactly. such a deep trap. Exactly, there aren't a lot of losers. But the one team that 100% lost this draft, and if you're a Packers fan, I'm sorry, but the Packers lost the draft. You got no weapons for Aaron Rodgers. You got his predecessor in the uh, first round, or sorry, successor. My apologies, his successor in the first round. And then you reach on A.J. Dillon and Josiah Duggara. And granted, those are two good guys. is a great tight end out of Cincinnati. A.J. Dillon had a great career at Boston College. But those aren't going to be weapons, big-time weapons that you need for Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. I, I think they are the one team without a doubt that lost the draft to me. Um. I like the Dylan, I like the Dylan pick. I like pairing him with Aaron Jones a lot. I I, I get the re- receiver thing and the tight end thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if Devontae Adams can stay healthy and Devin Funchess is there now, and then you have all those other like second, third tier guys that he that just have to do their job, and Rodgers is going to do the rest. Like, and Alan Lazard. But why not get like a that. guy that's going to win you a game? You have you again. You have a number three guy that's just gonna do their job. Hey man, it, and it's your number two again. Punches? I mean, hey, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying this: it's it's teams like this that have 
a system and something in place. Why didn't the Patriots take a, a quarterback? I mean, like they they could have took some people there. They could have traded up and got someone. But they they have there there's something that none of us know that they want to do and how they want to do yeah, it is fun. They also have Cam. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> they do. Let me say this. Okay, right, wait. I won't say this. But I had I had I didn't put the um, Packers on my losers list. I had them as just missed the losers list because I don't know what they're doing. If you don't what? know what, yeah. I have I have three Lord. teams on my I have three teams that lost and Packers were not one of them. Who okay? So who else, I have two other teams that are in the losers, but not not as bad as the Packers. Uh, number one was the Pittsburgh Steelers for me. Number two was the New England Patriots, and then three was the Raiders, and then four was the Packers. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> Elaborate, please. Steelers, I their first three picks, none of them I love. Chase Claypool, I, I thought was a hell of a college receiver. Mm-hmm. The fear with like the fear with these big wide receivers, man, you're, you're banking a lot that you're getting the next Mike Evans or Vincent Jackson, and a lot of the times, it's boomer bust with these bigger, bigger receivers, these six foot four, six foot five guys. I will say this, I do love. Chase Claypool, what the one thing that Steelers fans are gonna love is he's when the ball's not coming his way, he's a mauler when it comes to blocking, and he's like a Heinz Ward, he's gonna hit you. So they'll like that. But I don't know if I see him ever amounting to more than six hundred receiving yards in a year. I mean, I don't see him being a true number one ever, but I could be wrong. This is all a crapshoot, like we say. Alex Highsmith, again, an, another guy who was very productive, but against lesser competition. So he, if, but he's in, a good, he's in a good spot with the Steelers. There's going to be a lot of guys there that could take him under his wing. And then I'm just, but so that's just another one that I was like, he could go boom or bust too. And then Anthony McFarland Jr., I wasn't really a big fan of. I watched a lot of Big Ten games. I didn't love him there at the right back position. Incredible. Patriots are just the loser because they drafted a kicker who's a white supremacist. So, like, I mean, hey, 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 it was an alternate white militia. Are you literally defending this right now? No. If you're, no, if you're getting, no. if, if you are ever in your life in a situation where you are asked the question, are you a white supremacist? Then nine times out of ten, you're a white supremacist. Like, if someone has to ask you that, you're pretty much a white supremacist. Oh, man. And if you got to defend it with, well, I'm all for my guns. Like, no, cool. Have your guns, whatever. But you're a white supremacist. If you got to defend that, like, come on. There's a difference between, you know, the, the, bear, the right to bear arms and being a white supremacist. And this kid's clearly a white supremacist. Or he's just a freaking moron and watched too much American History X growing up. I don't know. But it's like one of those. I digress. Where, and the thing is, so he's a, he was from Marshall. He's a good All kicker, right. though. I'll give him that. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God. The guy's from Marshall. He's probably from southern West Virginia. And he, you know, I love my guns and this and that. So he got the tattoo and didn't know that most, the most people there are probably white supremacists. But, like, the dude's from Clifton Park, New York. <laughs> and, again, I'm not sure exactly. Oh, it's in Saratoga, it's in Saratoga County, which is – 
a pretty nice place last time I was there. So I don't know. It kind of, so may, I don't know. Maybe he got the tattoo when he was at Marshall. I don't know, but yeah, that's the the guy needs to cover that up or get it erased <laughs> or something. Or a oh man, how how why? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's not. Let's, it's just why. That's the only. Idiot. That's the only question there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Patriots are losers. I love their first pick, uh, the safety Duggar, Kyle Duggar. Um, that's a oh great, yeah, I like the, that the pick. Division two kid. Yeah, but then after that, I didn't like it. I mean, the going back to back with tight ends there, those guys. I don't know. The kid from UCLA could be, and I hate to speak about the dead, but he could. He has Aaron Hernandez's vibes there, and I could see maybe he could be that type of tight end for them. But it'll be tough there. But they de- they definitely know the type of players they want there oh, yeah. and who they want there. So that's mm-hmm. fine. On paper, they're like on paper to me, they're a loser. Um, and then finally the Raiders, um, like if, like John Gruden, man, if you want the Clemson Tigers to be your freaking team, just, you know, have them be your team. Like taking Tanner Muse in the third round was a reach. Like, again, I'm a big fan of him. I like him a lot. I don't know where he's going to play. I mean, a lot of people have him playing linebacker in the NFL versus safety because of a speed concern. I don't know where he's going to net out. And then. Another the nine picks later, another Clemson player, John Simpson guard. Like, I don't know. And I, I don't like, I don't like the Arnett pick. I, th- I thought it was too early. I didn't think you'd have to trade up for that. Mm. I, I, I do agree with you. I didn't like. I didn't. I and you like took Arnett three receivers. Picked, I don't know. But I thought in the second round. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think I you had to go up to dude. nineteen. Um, but wait, he is are, great though. He could pan out and be like the next Denzel Ward. He could. But, I mean, I mean, he is talented. I just thought it was mm-hmm. a reach there overall. Um, wait, you brought this up about people growing up and playing now in certain um, areas, and I forgot the kid's name, but um, the kid from West Virginia, you might know, uh, Colton, the lineman, Colton, uh, what's his name? Mikovitz, I think is his last okay. name. Uh, his dad makes the, the – uh, raccoon hats or whatever and he got drafted <laughs> and he got drafted by the 49ers and there was a picture of him and his mom and dad on like senior day with his dad wearing the hat and the thought of those guys going to california and maybe like venice beach trying to sell those hats or something just really makes me happy inside i honestly <laughs> honestly i missed that you have to you have to look into it because it was hilarious this kid's like he was a west virginia left tackle he's like six seven He's a big, he's a good kid, a big, uh, solid kid. Uh, could pan out as probably going to start as a backup, knowing what they got there with uh, Trent Nikovitz. Williams. Nikovitz? Yeah, that kid. But what they got there with Trent Williams is probably going to be a swing backup for a little bit. He makes the game day raccoon hats. Yeah, <laughs> and that just, just that, especially in like San Francisco, California, the Bay Area. I mean. It just it just warms my heart knowing that that family is going to be out there so, for, some, for be- some games. Before I get to my losers, um, who I else do like you have? Say, I liked all of the good heartwarming stories that were on the draft. Um, like for example, Kenneth Murray saving someone's life. I thought that was awesome. Um, uh, Blacklock's dad was a Harlem Globetrotter. Was like the Harlem Globetrotter. I thought that was cool. But when People say, <laughs> I know where you're going. I know, I know. 
I know you know where I'm going with this. So I understand that a lot of people can say, oh, my God, here they go, going with the sob stories all the time. Listen, the families clear that. Like, it's not just like ESPN, like, went digging into their past yeah. and was like, oh, man, we're going to – like, they cleared that. Like, like for example, the one guy, he said about how his, his mom fought addiction for six years. And he said, like, listen, like, I'm proud of my mom. Like, that was some adversity that in the house that I had to go through. And it shows that people that go through traumatic experiences like that do two things in their life. Either one, they sulk and they kind of just take care of themselves and kind of shut down. Or they use that as motivation and they rise to the top of the occasion. Uh, rise to the top of the occasion and that's what a lot of these guys do they have some of these traumatic experiences in their life and it just motivates them even more it gives them that motivation so now i'm seeing a lot of people on social media and i know social media is the devil to begin with there's oh my god here we go with another story well yeah guess what the kid made it and the kid went through some adversity give him like give him his couple seconds in the sun there man like Stop! Stop coming down on people. I don't know. I, um, Maybe that's just me. But... I may I may be a little, and I am a little messed up in the head. That, I mean, no one's going to debate that fact. But um, I like, and it's weird. I I, I don't enjoy these stories, but no, I, no one I, does. I, I, li- I, li- no one I like does. I like hearing about that because, like you said, I mean, it's like these kids as such a young, they're still kids. People forget they're still kids. They're and 21, 22 years old. They're mostly. still kids, and. Like they can't, they overcame all of this adversity. And that, that's that's to me, it's not, it's not a, it's like, it's a great story. I mean, it's adversity sucks. guys like you and I have never even faced in our lives. Yeah. And it, and I love the fact that, like, these that the kids, average fan has never faced in exactly. Their life. So don't judge it. You, you were never in these situations. And, and I don't think people are judging. I think they're just like, oh, here goes ESPN throwing the sob story at us. Well, guess what? Like, let the family have that. Let the family show that, hey, like, we overcame this together. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Do I enjoy watching it? No, I don't because it, it, it tears at your heart. But it's but at the end of the day, it's good that these families are saying, hey, like, we overcame this together. I love it because – I like it. I love it too because it, may, it brings these athletes back down to life. And these kids, they're still kids. They are. Forget that. It brings them back down to life. Like we, we get to the point where we think that they're millionaires, they're athletes, they're nothing. They never went through anything in their life. You don't know. And these are the stories that show the type of person that they are. They overcame all this. Like someone who had any, everything handed to them and just went all the way through and then they don't succeed. I'm going to, I mean, I I have, I'm not going to make fun of, or call out and I make fun of a call out. Some and people, guy, I mean, listen, but there's some guys, guys out there that like, easier. yeah. And then, but then a lot of those guys struggle succeeding because they don't know when you get to the NFL, it's a different type of level and it's not as easy as you think. And as, as easy as you had it through high school and through college. So these guys, when you see, a, when I see a story like that, I'm like, this kid's going to be okay. He's going to, he's going to be okay. Okay. So I said my losers, you have more losers besides the Packers? I, I have some losers before we talk about winners. Um, but, again, these next two, I talked about the Packers already. I said they were the main loser. They were the biggest loser. Uh, the next two are – it's kind of splitting hairs, but I thought the Seahawks kind of reached on some of their picks early on. 
I thought Jordan Brooks was a little bit of a reach in the first round. Same thing with Darrell Taylor out of Tennessee. I thought both of them were kind of reaches there. I thought the perfect pick was Queen for that inside linebacker instead of Brooks. But who knows? Maybe they, maybe Pete Carroll saw, saw, saw something that I didn't. Uh, and very well could be because Pete Carroll is a lot smarter than I am. Uh, this next one, I would put this next to the Packers. I didn't think the Bears had a good draft either. Uh, Bears, um, they got I mean... Cole. They got Cole Emmett, great tight end, but you're adding him to a surplus of tight ends with Jimmy Graham and Adam uh, Shaheeni. Yeah, I like I like the Jalen Johnson pick, but then after that, all their other oh no, the six, six or like. seven picks, I thought they were all but yeah, not good. Jalen Johnson, he has his own injuries. He has his own injury. Um, they're worried about his uh, previous injuries there. So I mean, that's I'm gonna... still a shot, but he is good. He is very good. If he's healthy, he's great. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Pace really needed to hit on this draft uh, for the Bears, and I, I don't. I agree with you. I, I will think say he, though, I do like it. the, I do like the Darnell Mooney pick out of the Tulane guy. He could be, he could be something. He, yeah, I, this wide receiver class just going from top to bottom. Oh, it's a great class. So deep, so it's deep. It's a great class. Um, all right, hey, you want to talk winners? Yeah, you want me to go first? I got, I got three winners that I, I like to okay. share. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was tough. There's a lot of winners, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll preface it with this. I'll say the two teams that needed the quarterback, and they're not, they're not going to be in my three, but I say Bengals and Dolphins got better for just the fact that they now have quarterbacks. And can I tell you, can I tell you something? I have something to confess to you, Cox. Hmm. I'm all in again. I'm, I'm back on the line. I was all, I was all in Thursday at like I'm back on the 8, 8.07 when I, they took two and I screamed through my apartment. My neighbor came and asked if everything was all right. I said, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm going to the, I'm going to the Super Bowl in three years. I'm great. <laughs> Fins up. Fins up. This is not a Dolphins podcast, though. I want to rely on my. We have to remind everyone every episode is not. Dolphins it's not podcast. a Dolphins podcast, but I'm all in. I'm back on the train, baby. We're all back on the train, but I ha- I have them just under my winners and losers again. Like they're not okay. they're not a loser in this draft, but I have them just under the list of winners. Okay. Just because, again, like if you look at that and on paper for the common fan. You're gonna have to know a little bit more of what Flores and Chris Gear and that bunch are doing there, but I like it. So, and them and the Bengals, I think both had really good drafts. And just to call out, Bengals did draft one of my sleepers from last week's episode, Logan Wilson, linebacker out of Wyoming. Think he's yep. gonna be a stud. Um, but my three winners here. So first, and this this one stings a little bit because it's within the AFC East. I thought the Jets had a great draft. Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis as your first three uh, picks. I was I really wanted the Dolphins to take Ashton Davis. Um, mm-hmm. Thought there was some connection there since his DB coach at Cal is now on the Dolphins staff. I thought it might be something there, but I also like I also like the value that some of the picks the Jets had getting Bryce Hall in the fifth round. A cornerback that was projected maybe late third, early fourth, getting him there. James Morgan pick is interesting to me, but in a good way. Um, you don't know what I mean. I think I think Darnold is good. I think Darnold is going to be there for a while. I think he's the Jets quarterback for a while. But you, you never know with that kid. I mean, is he going to get mono again? Is he going to get hurt? You know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's pictures of that kid out in Hoboken just making out with 22 year olds all the time. So you don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. 
with him. So I like it there. And he was really high after after those first three quarterback or first four quarterbacks. That fifth quarterback there was like, should it be Fromm? Should it be Morgan? Who should it be? And a lot of people had uh, Morgan ahead of Fromm for just the the attributes that he has and the intangibles. Um, so that's an interesting pick there. And I think it, I think it's good value there too. Um, then my next one, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I thought they did have also. They thought they had a good draft too. Yeah, I didn't put them in. Because uh, everyone's been kind of saying about the Cowboys, yeah, but a great draft, but um, yeah, they did. I mean, I, I don't know where, you, like, I can't find one pick in here um, that's like, I don't know. I mean, even the, their last pick, the Danucci kid out of James Madison, quarterback, like random pick. I mean, I've seen nothing on him, but I saw his stats, and like, he had a pretty, pretty great career at James Madison. Um, but I mean, getting CD Lamb at seventeen, who thought he was going to be there, man? Who thought he was gonna be there? I like no idea. I mean, I was I was wanting him to fall to the Dolphins at eighteen, and I was getting excited. I was like, "This can't happen. I can't get Tua and CD Lamb." Um, <laughs> but then Trayvon Diggs in the second round, Neville Gallimore, who I think is gonna be a hell of a defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. I had him in the first round. Yep. Yeah, getting him in the third round again, a lot yeah. of a lot of value there. Um, Travis Fredericks just. Ret- uh, retired, getting the the kid out of Wisconsin, the center, um, to replace him in the fourth round. That's going to be good. And then they even got that uh, Bradley and I out of Utah in the fifth round. Another guy who people had going uh, in the early third round. So I, I think they just got if they all pan out. That's just, that's only time will tell. But I think they got oh, yeah. great value across the board. Mm-hmm. And then my final team, uh, Minnesota Vikings. Oh, I, I have them too. Yeah. I mean, so you go first and then I'll add, and that'll be a good transition into mine. I'll just say this. I love Justin Jefferson. I think getting in yep. there was great. Ezra Cleveland um, in, as their second round pick, a uh, good tackle out of Boise State. A lot of people mm-hmm. had him like in the, I had him in, in the first round. round. Yeah, a lot of people had him, had him there. Mm-hmm. Um, then where I really like love this draft is when you get into the later rounds for the Vikings. I absolutely love James Lynch out of Baylor. They got him yep. in the fourth round. That kid's just a football player. Um, he could play across the line, inside, outside. I really like mm-hmm. him. I also love the fifth-round pick out of the U, K.J. Osborne. I think he's okay. another good wide receiver. And then you get to these seven-round picks, and I love seven-round picks because they're usually, like, the Big Ten players that, like, not everyone watches. But, you know, <laughs> we've seen every Big Ten game. And being that we love Big Ten and it is the best conference, I don't care what people say about the SEC. <laughs> but whatever. But Kenny Willicks out of Michigan State, just he he could be, he's just an energy guy. He could be, he's not going to start right away, but he could be something special. He'll play some special teams. He'll be a backup. And I'm excited to see what Nate Stanley could do. Well, Nate Stanley, man, I'm happy he got drafted. I mean, he that he's just the he's just your your typical average winner, if you want to say. But, I mean, I like Nate Stanley. I, th- I think I think that was a interesting pick. I mean, at that point in the draft, I think why not take a, a chance on a quarterback who you might, you know, put on the practice squad for a little bit and help develop. But, yeah, I, I like their draft I, as well. I mean, you didn't even talk about the guys that I wanted to talk about, and we, we had the same team <laughs> uh, in our winners. I think Josh uh, Metellus and Brian Cole – are fantastic secondary picks for where they got him. Um, also, 
uh, DJ Wanham out of South Carolina. He was kind of like on the didn't really get some of the spotlight because he shared it with uh, Javon Kinlaw, but I think he can go in and make an, uh, an, an immediate impact. I loved Minnesota. I talked about um, Ezra Cleveland for the mock drafts. Uh, I had him in the first round. They got him in the second. I'm telling you, Minnesota, I thought stole the day uh, with their picks. I thought they were, I thought they really got better. And also one guy just looked. I just looked, I'm just looking at all their picks again and they had abundance of picks here, but a guy that neither of us for, for both forgot to mention is Troy Dye out of Oregon. He was oh, very, yes, very, right. very inju- yep. injury, but very yep. productive. And that, I mean, getting him there, that that's another value pick as well. I will say this though, Cox to you. And I know you said about Nate, Stanley. we're not going to see Nate Stanley in three years. No, we'll never see him play a game, but besides pre- – <laughs> we'll see him in some preseason games, which I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah. Listen, I like Nate Stanley. I, I swore he was at Iowa forever. I, know, I love when that happens. I love his, you know, his – hey, I, I bet you he hangs around and has like a five or six-year NFL career, mostly on the practice Make squad. his money, man. And make your money. Hell yeah, make your money. Oh, man. Okay. All right, so my other winners. Speaking of teams I'm all in on. I'm all in on Matt Rowland, Carolina. Oh, boy. I'm all in. I'm in on their uh, defense. I like what they do with defense. They're pretty much all defense. Well, their defense was one of the worst last year, and Matt Rowland said, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And I think they're trying to find their identity, and I think it's going to be their their defense. And with a guy like Matt Rule, Matt Rule is going to be that type of guy who's going to bring that toughness in the locker room. But is that – that toughness that he brings and that aura he brings to the college atmosphere or that college locker room, is that going to translate to the NFL? I don't know, but I love the draft. I love going all defense. I love Matt rule. I, I, oh man, he, they had him on and I, I wanted to run through a brick wall for him. Oh man. I love Matt rule. Yeah, Matt rule gets me fired up too. Um, I agree. So there's that, but they have no quarterback, so they're going to be like four and twelve this year. Teddy, yeah, oh, man, oh, I forgot you're not on the Teddy train. No, no, don't worry, it'll be fine. Listen, the the Panthers are going to get seven wins, and they're going to build off it for next year or the the year. Seven year. wins this year. The Panthers, yeah. You're telling me the Panthers are going to get seven wins this year? Okay, maybe I misspoke. Okay, no, uh, no, 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 you want you want like, like come on. We'll, we'll actually me. make the bet here, so I like have to say it out loud so you actually pay me when that becomes false and they don't get seven wins. Uh, Carolina Panthers will get – how about six wins? We'll put the over-under at six. And you're taking the over? Yes. No, how about – So it's so seven wins, Jake. Five and a half. Five and a <laughs> no, half. No. Five and a half. <laughs> no. We'll set it at five and a half. I'm taking the over. <laughs> you're you're an idiot. We'll come back to this. Go on. <laughs> All right. So other winners, uh, the the Denver Broncos surrounding Drew Locke with speed, just hot, nasty, badass speed with Jerry Judy and KJ. If you, if you all out there don't see um, a Penn State connection or theme and everything that Jake's going with, I do. But but go on, my friend. Go on. <laughs> uh, the Mizzou. Oh man. The Mizzou tight end with the big long name, and I can't. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Love it. <laughs> uh, 
I love it. Love the Denver Broncos right now with what they're trying to do, what they're trying to surround Drew Locke with. Um, like I said, those the Panthers and the Broncos were towards my bottom of my winners. I thought Minnesota ran away um, with the draft. I thought the Cowboys had a great draft, which you expanded upon. And, of course, let me tell you about the Miami Dolphins. Tell me about my Dolphins. Franchise quarterback surrounding him with a litany of offensive linemen to protect him. I, I, do, I did think they should have went with McKinney in the first, but they got uh, Igbenogamy, and I'm telling you, he has a high ceiling. I talked about him last episode. Brandon Jones and uh, Strawbridge, amazing guys. Amazing. Curtis Weaver, I think, is a steal. There's no question about it, Todd. I'm ready to get hurt again. That's how much my hopes are up right now. I am ready to get hurt. It's, it's, only, it's only fitting that what's going on in the AFC East right now and that our competition to probably win a division is the Bills on paper, people would say. The Bills had a good draft too. They did. I did, I did, I did not hate the Bills draft either. Um, but no, I, I do love what our Dolphins did. Uh, with a quarterback like Tua, you got to build – uh, that line from the inside out and make sure it's really stout getting those two guards Kenny and Hunt and I think Hunt's gonna Hunt might start at right guard but he'll eventually be for the long haul the right tackle protecting in this case to his blind side I think it's gonna be very very a lot interesting. of people had Austin Jackson high I didn't have Austin Jackson high on my draft board but a lot of other people said that he's the real deal and he's going to be, he's a little bit younger and he's going to be better than some of those other guys. He played after, I mean, he saved his sister's life and then played 50 some days later after giving a blood transfusion, which is just another amazing story. But yeah, again, stories we want to hear. Exactly. Stories that make you feel. Um, I do have one more winner. Adam Gase's child. Which one? He has like Uh, the little one who kind of stole my heart a little bit. I forgot that for a second that Adam Gase is a complete psychopath. And his son was first grabbing his crotch all over. Yeah. I mean, uh, which if anyone who knows me, that's kind of, I relate to that a little bit. Too much Uh, information. It's a family show. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) When I was letting our listeners know as a younger person, I also did that quite a bit. Uh, so there was that he made a pick Gase or the Jets made a pick and the kid looked, had the looked straight at the camera, put his hands up. Like I didn't make that pick. Like that pick sucks. I didn't make that. And then later on, they showed him fiddling with a Rubik's cube. And then as they got back to the next pick, I think between the second and the third round, the Rubik's cube was solved. And I thought <laughs> this kid is a genius. I love this kid. I don't know his name. All I know is, is one of Adam Gase's kids. And I love him. I thought in a different world, that would be my child. That was awesome. I loved them. I will say <laughs> I, that was great. Matt Rule's kids were great, too. Was, oh, yeah. They complained about the two girls complained about not getting enough screen time. So <laughs> that was hilarious. Flores just dapping up his kid and doing the handshake. And doing yeah, that, that yep. was awesome. I don't know how you don't love that. Uh, and then, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, whatever was going on at the, var- the variable household was 
was, I mean, that's not, not was, a place that I would not want to be. I mean, I would want to be there. Was there someone pooping in the back? Yeah. In the reflection? There was. Was that happening? Was someone on the toilet I mean, or was it just an optical illusion? Apparently it was staged, but they knew what they were doing, which was, <laughs> which was hilarious. Which was hilarious. Oh, man. Mike Vrabel that, also. You want to talk guy. about traveling cocaine circus. I think uh, it's whatever going on in Vrabel. Uh, it's wild right, down there. Let's, um, let's switch gears and do some segments. Let's talk about the, this week's list. Okay. So the list this week, the list this week is going to be draft picks or great draft picks taken after the fifth round. So the fifth round on NFL draft picks. Yes, NFL draft picks. Yes, NFL draft picks. Um, Common so, draft error from 1985 when it became seven round draft. What? what wait, what? The common no. draft error from 1980, from five, rounds five through seven. Um, okay. I have some guys from before uh, 1987. Why? And, and it's also 1985. Or sorry, 1985. I have a couple guys before that. Why? Uh, because I thought they were good picks, but I, I took into consideration where they were. Picked so literally, I literally picked. told you like the parameters. No, we never said that. We never said. Comments. I said we rounds never... five through seven. What would make you think that you would go rounds twelve and fifteen? There used to be like well, twenty rounds in the fucking draft. Sorry. Yeah, sure. I know, but it was. But the picks, like if you took the picks where they are and put them now, they would still be in the fifth round or better. Whoa. Like for example. Whoa. Whoa. Jacob, 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 Jacob. You're trying to pull that what? on me where like what? we were talking about you can't compare athletes to certain errors last week when we were talking basketball. No, this is different. Eh, it's this not different. different. No, it's different. Who's going first? Because now I'm going to – I'm going to – Okay, well, I'm going to start my – oh, man. So I'm going to start mine from like five to one. Okay. And just letting you know, like, for example, Roger Staubach. Okay. I didn't put Roger Staubach on my list because, yeah, he was taken in like the 15th round or something. But where his pick was, it would have been like today's fourth round. So I didn't. That, that, that makes no sense. You can't equivalent that. No. Just go on. Okay. Go on. Well, anyway, um, you're going to love my picks. Uh, so, number five, I have to give this man some love because I didn't give him love for the last list. And I felt morally obligated to give him love for this pick. But he was taken in the seventh round of the 1987 draft, pick 183. Also the only player to star in an MLB All-Star game and a Pro Bowl. I'm going with Bo Jackson as my number five. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Oh, yeah. He was a great pick. Played uh, about four years for the Raiders. Was great. Was a great tandem with Mark Allen. Um, now, he was the first-round pick for Tampa Bay the year prior, but since Tampa Bay kind of screwed him with his final season of baseball because he got into trouble with the NCAA, he basically said, I ain't playing for you. Next year, Al Davis was like, yeah, screw it. Yeah, let's let's take Bo in the seventh. And Bo went. So, yeah, the first guy on your list is literally going to be someone who was drafted twice. Yes. In the first round. No, well, he was drafted in the first round once, but he didn't go to that team. He went to the next Not team. Well, drafted. whatever. Not even drafted in the first. Like, literally was the number one pick. But he was drafted in the seventh round a year, a year later. So he was a late round draft pick. I need new friends. Go on. <laughs> uh, number four, Robert Mathis. Okay. Fifth round, 
138 pick. Uh, 13-year career for the Colts, NFL all-time leader in forced fumbles, 123 sacks. He was a staple for those Colts teams. That's a good pick. Uh, he, I didn't have him on my top five, but he was right on the edge there. I was okay. debating three yep. guys for five. That's a good one. I like okay. that. Um, next guy, um, Deacon Jones uh, from the 1961 draft. He was the 14th pick – or sorry, the 14th round, 186th pick out of the Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils, eight-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro. Also, he was credited for the term sack. They didn't start keeping the sack stats until he was starting to clean house. Also, they made the head slap, like taking your hand and slapping another man's helmet as a defensive lineman move. They outlawed it because of him. And an all-time quote, thank God I had the ability to play a violent game like football. It gave me an outlet for the anger in my heart. Awesome. Uh, un- unreal that you're literally putting a guy on – like, gr- granted, Deacon Jones, great career. I get all that. Unreal that you're putting a guy on the list that was literally inducted into the Hall of Fame before the years that we agreed upon should have started this this segment. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in, 19, in 1980, and this is from 1985. Well, if you, didn't, if, if you didn't like that pick, then you're going to love this one. Bart Starr from the 1956 draft. 17th round, 200th pick, three-time NFL champion, three-time Super Bowl champion, league MVP, and basically created the dynasty that was the Green Bay Packers. I don't even know what to say anymore. And number one is Tom Brady, and that is it. Okay, good. Let's move on. Wow. Interesting. So I guess, like, last week it's going to be mostly – People on my list for the final three, but whatever. All right. So my number five here, I was debating back and forth between three people. One was Robert Mathis. Then I cut him. And then I was debating back and forth between two people for number five. And this one I'm going, he just retired literally two years ago. uh, Kyle Williams from Buffalo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Defensive tackle. Uh, drafted in the uh, fifth round in 2006 draft, played his whole career with the Bills. I've seen a lot of him being a Dolphins fan. Uh, over 300 tackles in his career. Uh, one of the true, like, zero techniques, just a true nose guard, played the one technique, two technique well, too. But, I mean, just a dog and just a football player. Like, someone who was a staple in the middle of that defense for a long time. The other, he's loved. He is loved up in Buffalo yeah. too. He's like a cult hero. Up the other guy that I was debating between him, this was my lineman part, was Matt Burke. Do you remember Matt Burke from the Vikings? Oh, yeah. yeah, I was yeah, debating yeah. between those two. Matt Burke. I mean, it's, it had another great career. He was six-time Pro Bowler, drafted in the sixth round. Those are my two that I was debating at uh, number five with. Okay, number four, Terrell Davis. Wait, wait. Who was number five? Kyle Williams. So you, so I set up. Burke's not. Burke didn't make the cut. I was debating oh, okay. between five for those two. Okay. Okay. Number four is Terrell Davis. Oh. Explain why, and then I have a serious thing I have to say. But say why. Um. Six round pick in nineteen ninety five. He 
played by some accounts a short NFL career. And I'll say this though, in from 95 to 98, I believe it was over a thousand yards, 2000 yards in 98, 21 touchdowns um, to get that. Like you can find value with running backs. Running backs are a dime a dozen, but um, to get this guy in the sixth round, won the Super Bowl, NFL MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, led the league two times with rushing yards and touchdowns. I mean, how do you not put him up there? I understand why he's on your list, and that's fine. And when I was a kid, I loved and he went to the And he's in the Hall of Fame. And he's a six-round pick in the Hall of Fame. All right. I have, a, I have a take. And I'm not a hot take guy, but guess what? Terrell Davis shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He had, he had, he had one good year. Actually, he had two good years, and then he had, he had four had good two years. Great years. He had okay, three great years, one okay year, and then he had terrible years after '98. I'm sorry, I well, was hurt. But he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So he's not a bust by any means. I mean, obviously, he was a late round pick, but. Terrell Davis shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame to me. I'm sorry. I, I, and I loved him when I was a kid. And I, I think he's he was a great player for that time and that those teams. And his name is cemented in Super Bowl history. But, that's fu- but, but I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. But that's fine. All that's fair. But we're literally talking about sleepers. And if you get someone in the sixth round that's going to win you a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Well, hey. No, I understand. Like I said, I understand why he's on your list. And – Listen, the De- the Broncos may not have won those Super Bowls without him, but I will say that doesn't negate the fact that he only had three great years, and other than that, he, he didn't produce that much. I'm sorry. I mean, that's fair. We'll, we'll move on because, right. I mean, at least I'm putting people on my list within the guidelines of this list. Deacon Jones is better than Terrell Davis. Anyway, my number three, I'm sticking with the Broncos, and I'm saying Shannon Sharp is my number three on the list. Oh, okay. No, okay, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Seventh-round pick in 1990, mm-hmm. um, another stud tight end. Oh, yeah. Over 10,000 receiving yards for his career, 62 touchdowns, over 800 receptions. Um, how do you not like that production from a seventh-rounder? Um, and then finally – well, I think everyone, if anyone knows me, if this was not going to be on my list, he should be number one, but I just technically can't put him number one. Here it comes. Here it comes. Numbers. I know what's coming. Say number it. two, Zach Thomas. Absolutely. Miami Dolphins, fifth round pick, 1996. Here's what, here, here's what I want to say for everyone out there. The game's a little different, and especially in terms of how linebackers play in today's game versus how they used to play especially in your old-school traditional 4-3. Sack Thomas in 1996, when he was drafted as a rookie, 16 games started. Jake, just, just guess the number. How many, how many total tackles do you think he had as a rookie? Oh, man. I have total for the whole year? Total, for, yeah, for his rookie season, 1996. Oh, man, I don't know. Um... I don't know, a hundred and a hundred and nine. Close. It was over a hundred, hundred and fifty-three. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Listen, just listen to these stats. 153, 127, 153, 132, 99, 154, 156, 152, 145, 158, 165, 294. Those are how many total tackles he had through his career. Three years, he went, and one was 99. So one was 94. <laughs> Three years were under. 12, I mean, he had 12. Well, how many years? He also had, what, 12 12 years, years 96 to uh, 2008. And one was at the end of his career. With the. Um, yeah, with Dallas. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. So, so 07, he played five games. He played five games, and he only had 52 tackles. The other, these are, the other year, 2000, only 11 games. That's why he had 99. And then he only played – oh, no, he did play. He did play all 16 with 2008, but that was his last season when he got 94. 1,720 total tackles for the man that is Zach Thomas. And I don't know if you ever – for those of you out there who don't know who Zach Thomas is, haven't watched his highlight reel, didn't get the opportunity to see him live. I saw him live play against the Cowboys – it was unreal seeing this little maniac go sideline to sideline and just make plays. Man, I love it. All right, we we, we I could do a whole a whole segment, a whole podcast on Zach Thomas, but so and of course is, is yeah Tom Brady. But so I think we got one figured out who our greatest Tom. So Tom's Tom's Tom's. I'm not gonna read off his stats. We all know he's the greatest. Whatever, yada yada yada. He kisses his son on the mouth. Weirdos, you know. But whatever, he's Um, number one. All right. So two and three. I mean, Bart Starr. This this is this is stressful, man. Like. Bart Starr had 16 seasons and threw for 24,718 yards and had 152 touchdowns when they didn't even throw that much back then. Key point back then. This was I don't know how I'm going to win this argument because it's like talking. No way. It's Bart Starr. It's not, it's not the fact that we're not debating Bart Starr here. We're debating the fact that I gave you guys from 1985 on. Which was the guy left? No, you never Common said that. You just error. said the fifth round. You said fifth round. Fifth to the, to the seventh. seventh round. Fifth round. I'll I'll get the message and I'll screenshot it, and everyone will know. Like, what were you th- like? Oh my god! It's like this is literally like the situation. This what I'm feeling right now is like pretend I'm a father in Texas, and I won like the Texas six A high school football state championship like three years in a row, and I have a son, and Jake's my son in this scenario. And he comes out and tells me, he's like, Dad, I don't want to play football. I want to paint. This is like literally what it's like trying to talk to Jake and like tell him is this the- to do what he's supposed to do for these segments. Literally, man, come on. <sighs> Did you just give the, the plot to Varsity Blues? Pretty much. Did he want to? Well, wait, <laughs> did he want to paint, though? I don't want. Lord, did he want to paint though? I don't think he wanted to paint. No, he didn't want to paint. <laughs> he just didn't want to. He really didn't want to paint. <laughs> All right, so. But whatever, you don't have to Tom play sports. Num- Tom Brady at number one. Yeah, Brady's at one. And then Bart Starr, and then Zach Thomas at three. <sighs> okay, the only reason why I'm gonna not continue to argue with you on this is because. I, I don't really have an, a leg to stand on with trying to – even though you're wrong with how we set out these parameters, I don't really have a leg to stand on to debate Terrell Davis and Shannon Sharp 
over Bart Starr. So read it off one more time. Okay. So our final list for the best players that are from the fifth round on, we have number three, Zach Thomas. Number two, Bart Starr. Asterisk. And number one, no asterisk. All right. The Last Dance, episodes three and four, and they continue to be amazing. Honestly, I don't really know where to start, but I think we have to start with one of the two great quotes from last night. Dennis Rodman was the fuck-up person. He just fucks everything up. (laughs) No true words have ever been spoken by Gary Payton. Amazing. (laughs) I mean, he was the worm. He, He... Got everybody off of their game. He got opposing offenses off of their game. It's kind of like in football when a quarterback and a receiver have a relationship with each other where they kind of know where that guy is going to be. That's what Rodman messed up on defense against opposing offenses. He got guys out of rhythm. He got teams out of whack, and he Mm -hmm. was just a pest. He just got under people's skin. It's truly, it's truly beautiful. It was amazing to watch him not only play defense like that and at such a high level, but his rebounding skills and him talking about the art of rebounding is also amazing. But he wasn't that big of a guy by any stand. Like I mean, in NBA standards, obviously, right? But I mean, to to be six seven and be that dominant on the boards. I mean, that, that deserves a lot of credit that I think people almost forget about. He wasn't like a six foot 10 guy, six foot 11, seven footer in there dominating these boards. He was doing it at today's small forward position. Mm-hmm. And I was intrigued by how smart he was and how much he studied film. Like he wasn't a guy that just went out there and, and played but he actually studied film on different guys. Like he was talking about Larry Bird's ball spins a different way. Jordan's ball spins this way. And it was really nice to see that, you know, he wasn't just a wild animal out there that he had a kind of a method to his madness. He really did. And I mean, I can't, when, when people watch film and, I mean, everyone probably does it at the level that they are, and you don't really always hear about it. But, like, how he was watching film and studying the rotations of the ball, I think, is just mm-hmm. unreal. He, he really was, like, every, all his antics might have overshadowed how great he actually was. Oh, absolutely. And, like, what he did. Speaking of his antics, I mean, did Dennis Rodman invent load management with his little uh, Vegas trip? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that was the teaser going into this episode. So, I mean, (laughs) I'll tell you what. I was looking forward to this episode since the document started. You know, when I was in third grade, I was drawing pictures of people with different colored hair. And people would say, why am I doing this? And me in third grade, I'm saying, well, it's Dennis Rodman. He's my favorite basketball player. And as I kind of grew, grew older you know, uh, 11 and 12, everyone wanted to be Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. 
I wanted to be Dennis Rodman. <laughs> like I gravitated like for a little kid, obviously the hair and the tattoos and the piercings, like I think that's what kind of started my love. Like he was the outcast and I loved that. But as I kind of got older, I kind of wanted to be like Dennis Rodman on the floor, you know, not I'm... a lot of offense, but I wanted to be kind of like the enforcer, the past, the, the guy that's going to mess up your offense and get you off your game. You're, you were clearly a pest and not only in many senses, but I'm really surprised here that you told me that Dennis Rodman was pretty much your sports idol growing up. I'm, I find that hard to believe it was everything Shaq. that he, Shaq everything that he did. On, but, yeah. but I also find it hard to believe that he, like you looked up to this guy and you've had <laughs> the same, same haircut since you were six and <laughs> same fashion sense and only own two pairs of shoes. Only so. on the floor. <laughs> Notice I said I, I wanted to be like Dennis Rodman on the floor. Okay, Maybe fair point. Off. Fair point, yeah. Maybe not off it. Although, although I wouldn't mind taking a vacation to Vegas with Carmen Electra, though. Carmen Electra is still a smoke. My God. My yeah. God. Um, big takeaways for you uh, last night. What were they? Oh, man. Um, well... I have to ask this question, and I know Michael Jordan's the leader of the Chicago, like obviously, mm-hmm. but why would you send the man with the gambling addiction to Vegas? To get Rodman? <laughs> to get Rodman. So was it in Vegas? Did, they, did he go to Vegas, or was he back in Chicago? I think, I don't know if they said that. No, kinda... I thought he was, no, I, he, went to, he went to Vegas. Yeah, if, if Jordan but he had was it supposed Vegas. to come back, and I think he was gone for like, uh, like two days longer than he was supposed to. But be. then Jordan, but then Jordan physically went to Vegas. You're telling me to get him, and like he was, Robbie wasn't back in Chicago by this point. No, I, I mean, <laughs> unless unless I missed it in the well, no, they kept it kind of, they kept it kind of. I had the, I vague. was under the impression he was still in Vegas. They kept it real vague. That's why, like, I wasn't sure. And I, of course, you know my minimal research that I do. I didn't look into it. But I, if 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 Jordan did go to, how did he Vegas, find him? Well, first off, I mean, like, I mean, I guess he's Michael Jordan. I mean, I guess anyone would do anything for him. True, but he definitely, if he did go to Vegas, which we'll have to confirm, um, he definitely got there and then like went three hours on his own before actually trying to find. Rodney oh, yeah. definitely oh, did yeah. some the the best part gambling. of that whole the best part of that whole thing there there were two clips from the the Rodman story that are just epic and one is drinking the Miller Lite and then jumping on the motorcycle classic and then the other one was uh, Jordan saying I go to his hotel room and I'm not gonna say what was in his bed what's going on there <laughs> and then it immediately goes to Carmen Electra. And then Michael is banging at the door. <laughs> and she goes, I don't want to see him. Or I don't want him to see me like this. And I kind of cover up and hide underneath the covers on the couch. Can you so imagine? I, oh, my God. Oh, man. Rob, he was uh, truly an enigma. He really was. We said on, I think, episode one that Dana White, someone I'd want to have a beer with. Dana White and now Dennis Rodman are... At my bar, to, at my bar with me right now. But you have to go. <laughs> I, I think Robin might be sober now, but um, you have to get Robin like back in the nineties. Yeah, if you can transport like peak Robin, yeah, peak Robin definitely. 
I mean, I don't know if I want to talk to Rodman now, honestly, but I mean, in the nineties, <laughs> in the nineties, definitely would love to spend 48 hours in Vegas with that dude and see what happens. I mean, I don't know. I know he was in rehab, so I don't know if he relapsed or not. But I mean, last time I checked, I was pretty sure he was trying to sober, trying to be sober. But, um, oh man, that's who you know who's not trying to be sober though, Jordan. I continue to love (laughs) him just drinking in these documents. I mean, I don't know. It just it cracks me up because. There's a full glass and there's an empty glass and there's a full. <laughs> well, glass. you know, editing. Yeah, yeah. Editing, but, but I mean, oh, it's just man. hilarious. It's like going back and forth. <laughs> Which Jordan are we gonna get? Speaking of speaking of Jordan, man, he's still holding on to that grudge with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. So let's let's quickly switch gears a little bit and talk about the second episode and the bad boys and the Pistons. I mean, yeah, I think definitely. Isaiah and Jordan still hate each other. I don't care what anyone says. They definitely still hate each other. <laughs> I don't think Isaiah hates him. I think Isaiah... Okay, here's my thoughts on, on Isaiah really quick. I think he's kind of fake. I don't know. I've never been an Isaiah fan. And I've li- I, did, I did like... the. He just comes off fake to me for some reason. This is a hot take, so I, I like get it. Like snarky? Like kind of snarky? Like, hey, I didn't do it like that. Yeah. Like, like I, a little... I yeah. It. I, I, it's... I don't know what it is. I, I just don't like it. You know, I can't really pinpoint it. it he just comes off kind of like an arrogant asshole. Like, and he like knows that it's what he's trying to do. Like, you know, some people are just like naturally like an mm-hmm. idiot and cocky and don't really know what they're saying. He knows what he's saying and he wants it to sound like that. And I, I don't like that. I don't know, but I was the, a fan. The, I'm a big fan of the Bad Boy Pistons, and I thought they were awesome, and great for oh basketball. Oh my god, that's one of my favorite thirty for thirties. Like I, I mean, like, like I mentioned earlier, that I just love that style of basketball, and I know it's bad, and I know it's, I know a lot of players then did it because they had to. Like Bill Lambeer had to be like that, or he would have been sent packing like very early in his ML or uh, NBA career. Yeah, I mean, some guys did that to survive in the league. <laughs> and and Lambert yeah, was one of them. Guys, like, but granted, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, both of them are just fantastic guards. You have Rodman there that joins the team that's very uh, a very good rebounder. And then you add in Sally and Mahorn. Um, I mean, that's, a, that, that's still a great, great team. But um, especially with... Dumars and, and Isaiah Thomas, but those other guys, man, Mahorn and uh, Bill Lambeer, man. I forgot for a minute last night that Rodman was on the Spurs for a little bit, and immediately oh, yeah. I just thought about what it would be like in today's world with, with pop coaching a, a Rodman. I don't know. <laughs> That's where my mind went first and, like, how mm-hmm. those two could work together because mm-hmm. – Pop has always had, you know, your Tim Duncans of the world and Tony Parkers. <laughs> like, imagine yeah, if he had... Yeah, but you know what, though? Um, that is true. But I feel like Rodman would kind of gravitate toward a guy like Pop who's had success. Um, gravitated Dennis towards Phil. Chuck. What? He gravitated towards Phil. Well, yeah. I mean, he gravitated towards Chuck to begin with. And then when Chuck left, that's when Rodman went through a downward spiral and they found him in his truck with his gun outside the palace. Then he goes to San Antonio and that's when he kind of lets loose and lets everyone, basically telling everyone, 
this is who I am. I don't care who or what you think of me. This is how I'm going to be. And I think he enjoyed being this, this mystery of a person and this outlandish person. And, you know, dating Madonna, you know, helps with that as well. Um, <laughs> and then when he kind of wears out his welcome in San Antonio, he goes to uh, Chicago and Jerry doesn't want him, which we all kind of were thinking, you know, maybe Jerry wanted Rodman too. Like maybe he was or- orchestrating that, but he wasn't. It was Stack who wanted him. Um, but no, I mean, that's, but so he goes with Phil and, you know, again, Phil's had success. So Rodman kind of takes everything he says and he buys in. Rodman's a guy where he needs a head coach that is going to allow him to buy in. You know, if you're just a guy spewing a bunch of stuff and you're not winning, guess what? Rodman isn't going to buy in. So that's true. I am. The interesting debate, though, that I've seen coming out of uh, the two episodes, these two episodes has been a lot around a lot around Rodman, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, but a lot about his antics and not so much the basketball side of things. And I want to talk here about basketball side of things really quick, but not Rodman, but the Pistons and that style of play. And I don't know. Again, maybe we're just we just didn't have I mean. I wish I could have seen that. No one hates each other like that anymore. I wish I could have seen that live. But can I say this, though? And the game of basketball, the game itself, is better now than when it was then. Like, the game itself, the game as a whole. Because there's a lot more skill, I believe, now than back then. Yeah, but the only thing I agree with you, but the only thing I would say is this year, like the way it is now in the NBA is you pretty much, at least for, it's a no fault of LeBron, but I mean, at least for the past like 10 years, there's always been, it's been so top heavy. Like you, you had, you had the heat and then you had the golden States. Now the Lakers are going to be the team and Milwaukee maybe, but there's always like three teams at the top of, each conference and then that's it like you don't it's it's always been like that though but i don't i think think it was more i think it was more balanced back in the day no think hang on think about this cox think about this okay you have the 80s you have the celtics and the lakers all right you have the sixers you have detroit and then you have kind of milwaukee and portland in there all right yeah so you have about six you have six teams in the entire NBA, you know, two on the West Coast and then four on the East. You know, in the 90s, who, who'd you have in the 90s? I think the 90s maybe it might have been a little bit more competitive. I mean, but 90s, you still like, still have the Celtics. 90s, you really not had, really like, Celtics, I mean, though. I think, like, not, I think it was just more like you had your top tier teams but i think like there was other teams in the middle that could contend for that like in my mind like you had bulls celtics pistons in the 90s in the east i mean Cavs had a little bit of the end of the 80s i mean sixers were kind of around there Mm -hmm. indiana was a little bit hovering around indiana new york new york yeah and then like the west was pretty much Lakers and but in Portland. the 80s though look at some of those look at some of those Bulls teams in the 80s they're not good 
There's, until I about mean, what eighty? Until eighty nine? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they were always like in the seventh or eighth seed, like hovering around five hundred, and like Jordan had a losing record going in the playoffs. I want to compare at one point when LeBron took the Cavs to the playoffs and that roster versus Jordan's worst roster. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I don't want to. Not, don't not, wanna... not even, it's not even to get a LeBron and Jordan debate. It's to pretty much highlight how great they are. Because when you are oh, seriously okay. Okay. one player who could get – I mean, LeBron took it a little farther by getting that team to the finals. But, I mean, come on. Um, also, like, I just – going back, Last thing, real quick. Um, actually, two things. Going back, we need the Supersonics to come back. Every time I see a reference of the Supersonics, it a little bit of me inside mm-hmm. dies. And then um, my final thought on everything is for anyone out there who has kids that are starting to play basketball and you're thinking of being that parent who wants to coach, the only offense you should run is the triangle offense. <laughs> Oh man! And for kids out there that the... don't know that, or no one who does know it, read a damn book and read a book about the triangle offense. Cause that's what it is. I love uh, that. I love I love the little in depth of Phil because you know we we know he's a um, we know he was an NBA player and and he was actually referred to as kind of like a Robin before Robin. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of this guy from North Dakota who apparently does acid. I didn't know that. And speaks in kind of riddles and practices Buddhism and Native American culture, and was kind of like a lone wolf in uh, when he was playing, and then kind of takes all of that the Buddhism, the cult, the Native American culture, and his riddles, and puts it to coaching, and becomes one of the most successful coaches of all time. You know, it's really interesting to me. I will say that. I did see a little preview of what's go- what's to come on episodes five and six, and I mean it's mm-hmm. just going to keep getting better and better. I can't, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on the last dance, Jacob? No, I just can't wait for more. I just want more. <laughs> Same. Uh, this is uh, honestly, this is probably the best docu series ESPN has is- put out. Um, not just because it's about Michael Jordan, but it goes in depth with each or at least the big players in there and goes talks about their lives and how they ended up with the Chicago Bulls. But here's another question. Are we going to get an episode about Tony Kukos? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good way to end it. We need more Tony. Cause I feel like we're going to get into a little bit of the 1992 when Jordan and Pippen faced them. I hope so. I love me some Tony Kukos. <laughs> but no i'm excited man this is awesome and even non-sports fans are jumping on board too and saying how awesome it is and i and for non-sports fans and sports fans to come together to watch something especially at a time right now it is truly beautiful it's amazing um all righty jake closing statement for today oh closing statements well my closing statement today is about something that's very close to my heart. Last week, we talked about the first sports feat. And I took some flack. 
for not mentioning a sport feat that holds a special place in my heart. And that is the first ever night football game, which was played in 1892, where Wyoming Seminary took my alma mater, Mansfield University, which at that time was Mansfield Normal School, in Smythe Park, Mansfield, a field crew hung lights around the field to play this game during the Tioga County Fair. Unfortunately, the game was called at halftime due to the lights burning out. Ironically, Mansfield University's football program did not get lights again until 2013, my senior year. And it was an awesome time to be there. I was very lucky. Um, 1890s weekend is still a massive deal in the town of Mansfield. It, the, the town itself shuts down. It's really a two-stoplight uh, town. It's very small. <laughs> um, but it's complete with a fair and a reenactment of the game on or in Smythe Park. But i just like to give a shout-out to my alma mater for one of the greatest sports feats of all time, hosting the first-ever night football game. Because let's be honest. What would football be like if we didn't have lights? Friday night lights, you, Saturday night lights. To you, Cots. Oh, man. Yes. No, great, great statement there, kid. Um, I was prepared last week. I thought that was going to be on your list, and I was getting ready to debate it. Not that it's not one of the best uh, feats in sports in the first. Um, I just had, you know, we had a few other good ones in there, but glad to hear you give Mansfield a shout out there. So I want to switch gears to mine a little bit here. During these uncertain times that we're all in today, not really knowing what's next and what's to come, you know, Jake and I are here to provide some laughs, provide some in-depth sports analysis, but also many people have fallen on some hardships And along with that, I want to now take this opportunity and use this platform to help give you all some sound financial advice and some investments for the future that can only help you diversify your portfolio and guarantee to put money in your pocket. So with that, I give you the 2020 NFL season over and under locks. Fins, over under six wins, hammer the over. They won five games last year with an XFL lock roster. That's a lock. Packers right now teetering at 9.5 and 10. Hammer the over, especially if you could get it at 9.5. I don't care about all this draft talk. They have Aaron Rodgers, and they won 13 games last year. Over. Broncos, seven and a half. Love what they did in the draft, but you take the under. They're still a year away. Bengals, 5.5, over under. What do you think I'm going to go here, Jake? You're wrong. You take the over. <laughs> Joe Burrow. I answer. Joe Burrow and team are bringing the Bengals back from the dead. Go Tigers. Panthers. Jake talked about it earlier. Looked it up. 5.5. We'll talk about the side bet after that. But you take the under. Love Matt Roll, but they got no quarterback. And finally, the Super Bowl champs. 11 and a half over under. Best team in the league still. Great but you take the under. They're going to win 11 games, folks. Hammer the under. And that's what I have for you all today. Sure to put money in your pocket. 
towards the end of the 2020 NFL season. Well, folks, that's all we got for this week's episode. We'll see you all next week as we continue on this journey. Until then, adios.